This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. Let me bring in Don Robertson. He is here every Monday at this time to chat a little bit about sports. Um, before we get to sports, though, Don, thanks for coming. Uh, you ever give your wife a tub of mayonnaise for Valentine's Day? <laughs> An axe. <laughs> Yeah, this was started it. No, mayonnaise was the, was part of the problem. That was part of the decline. I was going to tell you, we have Christmas Eve. Yes, just for clarification. Yeah, Christmas purposes. Eve and New Year's Eve. Yeah, but more importantly, with Christmas Eve, it's the signal for guys to start Christmas shopping. <laughs> That's true. Well, Valentine's- we don't have a Valentine's Eve because guys don't start thinking about that till tomorrow after lunch and go, oh boy. But shouldn't if 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 you're right and you are right that Christmas Eve is like the beacon that goes off for guys to go, oh, better get to the mall. Got to find her something. I uh, wonder what size Spanx she wears. <laughs> uh, You're on your own. Shouldn't shouldn't there be the equal call? Because Valentine's Day would be second. I would, well, I don't know what order they would go in Valentine's, Christmas, and birthday. But there's a somewhere in there. They're one, two, and three. They're all screw ups for guys because it seems it's a one way street. I don't recall getting anything ever all that beautiful. It may be a reflection of my personality from a significant other. And I am now doomed. I brought up the subject yesterday. Would you like to go somewhere nice for dinner on Tuesday? No, we have dinner reservations for Sunday. That's when we'll celebrate. Now, is this a test? Like if I That's don't a good question. pull something off tomorrow night, well, I guess we're going to find out. That's probably <laughs> yeah, the hard way. That's a good, well, no, but you, you, you showed that you were prepared. You, you demonstrated the offer, but you, I but I'm not that bright. I can get set up pretty quickly. There's probably guys out there going, "You're getting set up. You're an idiot." Is Which Don, I would concur. Is Don being set up? If his wife said no, we'll do Valentine's on Sunday. Is he still obligated to come up with something for tomorrow, or is Sunday acceptable? Let me know, Radley at 900chml.com. <laughs> I will pass along your advice. I'm specifically and particularly interested in hearing from women out there whether or not Don is on the hook for this. Whether whether this is a trick answer. Is Sue's playing a trick? Is she testing him or is this fully legit? And I'm easily fooled, I can tell you. <laughs> it might be not a bad idea to have something as like a backup plan, just tucked away that if you just have to, yeah, pull it out. Go, oh, I was just kidding, Sue's. Here's your gift. I'll take her to the most popular chocolate bar in the world. As soon as you figure out what it is. I'll, I'll know later. I'll give you a hint. Do not show up with like a big tub of Turkish delight. <laughs> <laughs> the I don't, big, big Turk? The big Turk, yeah. which, is, which is our favorite road chocolate bar. Uh, you know, the, the whole idea of Great the Turkish in the summertime delight, I actually melt. enjoy, I like a Turkish delight, yeah. but it seems like it's got the wrong name for Valentine's Day. <laughs> if it was called something Maybe else- Maybe not for me. <laughs> If it was called something else, you might get away with it. But here, honey, have some Turkish delight. It just it just doesn't have that ring of romance to it. I don't know. I'm not all that worried about my Valentine's. I'm a little worried about yours if you were going shopping for Spanx. Well, I, I that was, you know, on Call a- out of that hole. On a different, well, one of the, remember the, the <laughs> list I said where the, the, the discussion board where people were saying what was I the worst gift? That's what you were taking home. Uh, no, uh, somebody said the number one was mayonnaise, but someone else said, yes, he bought her- Spanx. Great career move. Like, how would you describe, people know what Spanx are, right? They're like form containing underwear that go up to. It's a new form of a girdle. It's kind yeah, basically that's what it is. That's what it is. You go, you I come. I wear them all the time. <laughs> you come home with a girdle for your significant other. Valentine's Day is going to be a lonely night. Let me tell you. It's not going to end in romance. You may be wearing them on. You may be strangled <laughs> with the, with the Spanx. You'll. 
strangle you to death with your uh, anyway yes let's uh, let's move along uh, because neither of us should be offering much in the way of advice apparently about Valentine's Day uh, let's move to sports for a minute because there's a bunch of things I want to get to and they're all more issue related things than anything else but there was a situation in the National Hockey League on Friday night Saturday night, I'm not sure which night it was involving a Detroit Red Wing player who got cross-checked from behind, Gustav Nyquist, and got up and, man, handed out one of the most vicious high sticks I've seen because it wasn't just a slash or whacking at the guy. He took the point of the blade of his stick and drove it up into the guy's face. Now, he happened to catch him in the cheek, which was very fortunate because if he put it right into his mouth, he probably would have taken out about 10 teeth. And if he'd worse, put it in the guy's eye, I'm not being funny, not being exaggerating. He probably would have blinded him. And so he's got a hearing tomorrow with the NHL, or uh, Wednesday with the NHL about this. But the NHL, Don, has a track record of not being harsh, overly harsh with its suspensions. But when you look at one like this that had the absolute potential for legitimate, the absolute potential for disaster, what do you do if you're the NHL? Do you say, precedent be darned, we are going to give you what we think we should give you, or is he going to get what everyone's going to look at and go, well, that was a slap on the wrist for what could have been a disastrous maneuver? I said a bunch of years ago when they gave Marty McSorley, I think, 20 games for Conkin, I think it was Donald Brochure. Yep, Brochure on the head. On the head, that, uh, you know what, you're giving a guy who is at the end of his career, likely not going to play next year, so they, you set an example with them thinking that'll come back and haunt you someday when a guy in the prime of his time does a similar act. And now you've set the precedent, I think it was 20 games. Um, So you better be careful. And the thing that enters into some of these, which is always an oxymoron that enters into these things, is you have to deal with the Players Association. And the Players Association, more often than not, come to, to the defense of the guy that has done something stupid. Which is always odd to me because they represent both guys. Hence the oxymoron yep. because what about the poor guy that almost got shish kebobbed yep. and you're defending the guy that did it and say, he shouldn't be kicked out for that long, that's part of our game. Now the other part of it is when you get cross-checked from behind, you could be paralyzed for life. Now when I say, he, did you see that? You saw the play, right? I haven't right? seen it. Okay. When he got parallel, when he got cross-tracked from behind, it was not where he was skating towards the boards, and he got blasted into the boards. They were both standing still, and he just gave him a little nudge. A little one or a, a good little, one? No, a little nudge that that sort of knocked him partway off balance. But it was not. It would never. No one would have considered that a dangerous. Would have been vicious. No, no, it was not a dangerous play. It was annoying. I have no doubt that that Nyquist, when he got hit, he was annoyed. Obviously, but obviously snapped too. But it's your point is right on. And that is the Players Association will, in all likelihood, if I'm, if you and I are betting on this, will go to bat for Nyquist and argue for a lesser penalty. What if he had taken out this guy's eye, though? Because then you're saying, well, he doesn't deserve more. What if he'd taken out his eye and ended his career? Should the player, What would the Players Association do then? Because track record says they'll still defend the guy who did it. I've always said that you can't let a guy off because he has bad aim. Like if he was trying that's to drive, what this was. if he was trying to drive his stick up through his jaw and missed, the intent was there. Now you can argue that he just planned on whipping his stick by his nose 
and send a warning signal and happen to catch him by the cheek. But this wasn't this wasn't a slash. This was essentially a spear That's directly what I'm into he the tried face, to, though. Tried to shishka bob him up through the chin by the sounds of it, right? Yep. So how do you defend that? Or are you gonna is the guy gonna say, I didn't plan to hit him at all, I just planned to scare him so he wouldn't do it again? Like there's a there's a tendency to be really careless with the truth after the fact and you go, Holy crap, it could have killed that guy. I better come up with something really unique. If for anyone who goes and watches it, and I would encourage you to watch the play as we're as we're talking about this, you can you can go and see it. It's all it's all over the place online. He takes his stick and he literally stabs him in the face, the other guy in the face. And the you're talking about the difference between where he hit and where his eye was. My point is, why do you let him off? Because he's is got five bad, centimeters. That's right. And bad aim. And and if he had if he had good aim, actually he would argue that he did have good aim. Right? He's never going to argue that's that I right. meant to take him in, out his eye. I me- I meant to just poke him somewhere. And that's what he'll. Or I didn't even mean. He can't argue that he didn't mean to because he clearly, in this case, meant to. But I'm with you. I, I'm I'm absolutely with you. You you shouldn't get a break because the worst case scenario didn't happen. You should be sentenced based on your intent. And your intent was that he meant to do damage to this guy. You can't argue. I don't think you can argue he didn't mean to hurt this guy. It's exactly what he meant to do. It was about 2003, a Hamilton Bulldog, Parrish Hogan. Alexander Parrish Hogan. Yeah, on I Garrett was, Stafford at the Cops Coliseum. I was doing uh, the analyst for Cable 14 with Lauren Lieberman and Mark Coakley. And I immediately said that guy should never be given the privilege to play our game again. Now, for those who don't remember, Alexander Parajokin got knocked down, turned around, and baseball bat swung at Garrett Stafford, who yeah. was a member of the, can't remember which team, Cleveland, I think at the time. Sounds right. And clunked him in the face, knocked out of some teeth, basically call it, caused him to go into convulsions. It was a story that went around the world, basically. Full-on baseball swing to the guy's head. To his face, yeah. Yep. And the argument was, while he didn't know he was going to hurt him, Lieberman and I got into it pretty good. It was a lot of fun, actually. Um, That I said, these are guys that can take a small disc with that stick and ping it off the crossbar six out of ten times. That's how much control they have over that hockey stick. They know exactly what they're doing with it. Now, if I'm... I don't remember the exact suspension. I believe it was a year. I believe he got a year. Dave Andrews gave him a year. Played in Russia the next year. Isn't that nice? So come on over to Russia. You can play in our league. But even if you make the case, and again, it goes back to your point of the control they have on the stick. Even if you were to say, in that particular case, Alexander Perejokin didn't mean to hit him exactly there. He still meant to swing around and clock the guy with his stick. He meant to hit him in the head with the stick. He meant to hit him somewhere hard with the stick, and he happened to get him where he did. In this case, he had to have known, the way he turns around, he's, he's... I just look at this and I'm, Don, I fully expect that on Wednesday, I don't know if the penalty will be handed down Wednesday, I fully expect that we're going to be back here on Monday talking about how the NHL dropped the ball, that this is a light suspension. I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. I hope that I'm surprised. What are you happy with? I think you, you can't start below 10 games for this. You can't start below 10 games. And if it goes up from there, it goes up from there. But if they come back with a six or a seven game suspension even, he could have very easily, if he missed by a few inches, taken out this guy's eye and ended his career. 
That's not anymore just a, and, and I would say the same if for guys who, as you described, drive someone at full speed from behind into the boards where you could paralyze them. The fact that he gets up doesn't exonerate That's you. Right. It doesn't excuse you from your behavior. That's just you're, good luck. You're lucky. It's like driving drunk. All right? If you drive drunk and cause a crash and nobody gets hurt, that's not your good driving skill or your good judgment. It's complete luck, good luck on your part that you walked away. Because look at all the people who drive drunk and kill someone. Yes. And what yeah. you did and what they did is no different except the outcome ended up differently, maybe because of the something that the victims did or didn't do. I mean, as, as far as, you know, maybe they were not as aware. I mean, I'm not blaming the victims. I'm saying maybe the car was in a slightly different position or whatever else, but it's got nothing to do with you. And so if you do something that is severely dangerous, vicious, vicious, you should pay as if the worst case scenario happened. I would, I would have no problem. No one will do this. And people will say I'm nuts. I would have no problem in this particular case. If you go and watch this video, I'd have no problem if he got 20 games for this. None whatsoever. But he won't. It's 25% of the schedule. I wouldn't have any problem though, because he came that close to gouging a guy's eyeball out. And go ask a guy like Brian Burrard. Now that was an accident. The one with Brian Burrard and Hosa was an accident. Stick came around, yeah. Stick came around and it was a terrible, terrible accident. But ask Brian Burrard what it's like to have your eyeball plucked out on the ice. And that was accidental. So Brian Burrard can at least, I think, it it would be interesting to talk with him about this. I think he could probably live with the idea that, you know, it it stinks that my career died, but at least it was, imagine if it was, he says it was accidental. Imagine if you lost your career and you said it was intentional. How do you live with that? I I can't even play anymore because some guy decided because I tapped him the wrong way that he had to gouge my eye out. I'm sorry. There's no... To me, there's no excuse for that one. There really isn't. And I hope that I hope they come down on him so hard, but I don't expect it at all. I, Having seen the NHL in the past, you're right. The McSorley one was fine because you knew he was done. He wasn't, that didn't make any difference. That was an easy one. Here's what will get really interesting someday is when somebody decides to sue somebody for that. Now, the problem is Bertuzzi. Well, we saw that. Bertuzzi and Moore are still in the courts, or it's done now, and they settled finally. But it was in the courts for five or six years. But remember when Roy McMurtry got involved back in the 70s? You probably don't. Well, no. With D, he charged Dino Cicerelli at one point yep. with assault. And those things don't go anywhere. It's unbelievable that you give a man a weapon and let him club somebody, and it's not assault anywhere because it's not in a hockey rink. And see, I, <clears throat> there would be some who would take that to further extremes than I would. Slashing a guy is within the, it's a penalty, but it's within the expected realm of the game. Yeah. Okay. So I know that when I step on the ice, there is a likelihood that I'm going to get slashed. And I could even, based on something completely accidental, a stick comes up or whatever, accidentally, I could accidentally get slashed in the head. I could accidentally lose my eye. I accept that risk when I step on the ice. What I don't accept. Yeah, exactly. What I don't accept is that someone will do something so far out of the bounds of what was within hockey, even beyond a penalty, that I could be maimed or seriously injured. That's the Bertuzzi one. That's the McSorley one. That's potentially what this one could have been. Where it's, you're not any longer talking about just a hockey penalty play, where it's sort of on the margins. You're talking about something that you cannot expect that someone's going to drive his stick up into your face like a pitchfork. 
I hope we got to go to break. I really hope that they come down really, really hard on him, but I don't expect it. I really don't expect it. And and, and again, watch the, watch the play if they do. Watch the player association defend it. Well, exactly, exactly. I, I hope I'm wrong. I really do. If they come back with ten or eleven or twelve games. I'll applaud them for that. I think it could even be more than that, but I'll, I'll applaud them for that. But it's we haven't seen historically those kind of penalties. And you're right, probably because the, the Players Association would make it very, very difficult based on precedence and what's happened with precedence. Well, in precedence, the NHL's precedents are awful because it, in the old days, seriously, you could, you could pull out a musket and shoot a musket ball through a guy's head and they go, ah, oh, it's probably worth about a major penalty. They just winged him. He'll be fine later. That's right. Just a flesh wound. You know what would be interesting? I know you have to go to break. Is let the Players Association come in and show it to them and say, what would you give them? Yeah, let's... You, you Which know, side are you on We're going to give all discipline to the Players Association now to sort out. And let you, Yeah, you figure it out. You guys figure it out and see what you do. And you know what would be interesting? You're right. Because it would be interesting if somebody got seriously injured and the Players Association said, oh, a game. And the other guy who gets injured says, wait a second, I pay the same dues percentage-wise as this guy. Why is my career less important than his when he's the guy who committed the crime? And we all know, depending on who you are, will have an effect. Sidney Crosby won't get punished like some lughead will. But Sidney Crosby doesn't do that stuff. That's the that's, true. that's the beauty of it. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Believe it or not, we're, it, it seems like we just finished baseball. It feels like we're in the middle of winter. Pitchers and catchers for the Blue Jays report tomorrow to spring training. Tomorrow. We're already there. Valentine's Day. What are they thinking? <laughs> That's right. How can they possibly give the no, gifts to their girlfriends and wives if they... They're uh, all their Valentine's Day Eve getting ready. Uh, yeah, Valentine's Day Eve. Exactly right. I have a feeling that for a lot of those guys who are making 15 to $20 million, they've told their significant others, here's your Valentine's Day gift. It's my, what comes above platinum in the credit card department? Go buy yourself something nice. They've uh, they've also just had three or four months off. That's true. They could figure it out. Yeah. But there has been endless angst, hand-wringing, jaw-clenching, hair-pulling-out moments this winter about the Blue Jays. Do you have, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this because we will be talking about Blue Jays a lot. Everyone will, but... Do you have confidence that this team is going to be good this year? Because a lot of people are sounding the alarm and saying, "No, no, that 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 fun run is now over." I think I think uh, Boston, Cleveland got better. Um, sure, the they Jay, did. The Jays didn't get better, and they couldn't win everything last year. So, and their pitchers went through the season without injury. That's the amazing part. A lot of them had banner seasons and I think the only well the biggest thing that scares me about the Blue Jays now is the message that uh, Incarnacion did not want to leave wanted to play in Toronto and left 20 million dollars on the table apparently to go to, to another team that's a pretty big message that you turn down you accept a lesser offer from another team when, in fact, you publicly said, I want to stay. That tells me there's something wrong at the top. Well, there's, I mean, there's arguments we made that they pulled back the offer after he had turned it down already, but they had extended the offer, regardless of whether they should have had Edwin or not had Edwin or whatever else. I look at this team this year, and again, pitchers and catchers starting tomorrow, they went through last year with, I think, statistically the best starting pitching in baseball or very close to it. They were in the top 
two or three. And they didn't have anybody but for a spot start here or there. They didn't have anybody get hurt. And that was probably two years in a row now that they've been exceptionally healthy. Uh, I mean, the year before they were missing Stroman for a good part of the year. I understand that. But, But during the year, they weren't facing it. It is, to me... The chances that you can go through back-to-back years with all five of your starters making all of their starts, for all intents and purposes, is asking too much. They're going to face some injury problems this year, and when that happens, and that's the strength of your team, man, I look at this team and I think it's going to be tough. Who was it? Help that they uh, are happy that they signed as a free agent last year and yep. brought back? Yep. And everybody's yawning, going, so he was no good three years ago, and now he's going to be the savior. And he was good. And comes up with a career year. Nobody wrote him in for any more than about eight wins. Yep. And they're talking Cy Young at the end of the year. That is a stroke of luck, not genius. Well, he had been, I mean, he had been good since he had left. He had certainly found something and found a better delivery, but I don't think anyone was predicting he was going to win 21 or 22 games for sure. They'd have been happy with eight, surprised at twelve, ecstatic at sixteen. I think they would have. I think they figured that they could have got fifteen wins out of him, but I don't think they expected that. But again, you had Sanchez become great. You had Stroman struggle, but was there all the time. You had Estrada, who was great again and played through some injuries. You had uh, Dickey, who was, but he was mediocre, good at times, awful at times. But he pitched every day. He pitched every five. Nobody days. likes Dickey because he threw a knuckleball. Well. The problem becomes, it just seems to me so unlikely that you can get through another year yeah. with everybody healthy. And, and they if, don't have the depth to get and away they with don't it if have, they don't. Exactly. They don't score runs like they did a couple of years ago. You, this was the strength. And what's really odd about this, this is the funny part. I was thinking about this today. Remember two years ago, so not last year, the year before that, it was the bullpen that was great and the starting pitching was a problem. And then last year, the starting pitching was best in baseball or close to it and the bullpen was a bit of a mess. Now, everyone's saying, oh, the starting pitching is going to be... And coming into last year, everyone said, oh, the bullpen's fine. The bullpen's fine. And don't forget, we've added Storen and we've added these, you know, uh, uh, who was the other guy? Jesse Chavez. And we've added these guys. The bullpen's going to be great. We just hope the starting pitching's going to be okay. Starting pitching turns out to be phenomenal, and the bullpen is a mess, which leads me to the other concern I have with the Blue Jays now. Let us leave alone for a second the possibility of injuries to the starters. It was just two years ago that the starting pitching was the big question mark. Is there a chance that they could revert to that form, even a little bit? Even if, take, let's say we get one injury to a starter. One of those guys goes out for some period of time, and one other guy reverts to his inconsistent form. Now you've only got three-fifths of a great starting rotation, which puts more pressure on the bullpen and on the offense. They're, Don, to me, it strikes me that you've got to have an awful lot of things go right this year for the Blue Jays to be competitive. You have to have an awful lot of things go right. Now, it could. I've not heard an awful lot of wonderful things out of Buffalo saying, you know, if something happens, we'll pop these two young guys up because they're they should, be, in any other organization in Major League Baseball, these guys would be pitching on the Major League team. You never hear those conversations. You never hear people talking about things like that. If that's the case, then you're saying, okay, that's fine, we're okay. But that's not the case. I guess I'm just naturally, uh, I don't know if it's a pessimist or a realist or whatever, but... Or feared. The chances of perfect health 
in a game, in a position where you are putting so much torque and so much pressure on a part of the body and where you see teams, how many teams, Luke, do you know how many pitchers the Angels started last year? There had to be 12 or 13 starters they used. Uh, because pitching is a violent act and you get hurt. Guys get hurt. You look at the, you look at the pick pitchers of pitchers coming off the mound and the angle of their arms sometimes. Like I pitched senior fastball for years. That's the easiest thing in the world to do. It's so natural. You could pitch two or three games a day. Mm-hmm. These guys need five days off. You see a guy like Brad Underwood from Owen Sound. I mean, his right arm, left arm was twice the size. But they, it's a natural motion. Hard, hardball pitchers. Oh, my goodness. Luke just pointed out that the Angels last year started 15 different pitchers. That's how many injuries they had. They went through 15 starters. The Jays used six I think, if I'm right. Maybe seven. Maybe Biagini had a spot start, but you brought in for... Uh, who did they bring up from Buffalo? They brought him... Uh, who's the kid? They, and they ended up dealing him. And they brought him up and he's... Hutchison? Okay, Hutchison. Maybe so. It was maybe seven starters they he had last had year because you brought Liriano in at the end of the year. But you're talking about a small number and it wasn't due to injuries. Really. And Hutchison only started seven guys that Jays started. And they only started seven because, remember, they sat Sanchez for... A period of time, and so well, they, they started going with six six starters, didn't they? Right, and and I don't know. I'm hoping. I mean, listen, everyone around here. Uh, the amazing thing to me is over the last couple of years in the summertime when the Jays are doing well, everybody's in a good mood. They are. The the Blue Jays have this elixir like quality. Then when the Jays are going well in the summertime, everybody is happy. But. I just, I, if they're starting pitching, which shows up tomorrow, if you start having injuries, if you start having guys go by the wayside, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, I don't know what, uh, I don't know how much you can expect from this team. I, a guy that probably doesn't get enough credit when you talk about, you know, the, the bullpen was, or starting pitching was questionable two years ago, last year the bullpen and everything else. John Gibbons has done a pretty good job of cobbling it all together. Sometimes. Sometimes it's, he's looked like a genius and sometimes it's looked awful, but he, he he's also, you know, it really helps that he had healthy pitchers. You don't have to do as much work when when you can just go to the same guys every five days and go, you're up, you're I'll, up, you're I'll, up. I'll bet you those, the, the, those new guys would love to get rid of Gibbons and bring their own guy in. I'll, oh. bet, I'll bet you his rope isn't very long for a guy who's been to the playoff two years in a row. I would, I would, not, I, I, I would not be shocked at all if John Gibbons didn't make it through this year. Yep. I would not be shocked at all, but we'll, but you know what? It's like a hockey coach with your goalie. If you've got a good goalie, you're a great coach. If your goalie stinks, you're going to get fired. And it's going to be the same with this. If some starting pitching gets hurt and John Gibbons has to start patchworking stuff and things start to fall apart, John Gibbons is an idiot. Let's get rid of John Gibbons and he'll be fired. If his starting pitching stays healthy and stays good, John Gibbons is a genius. (laughs) You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Let me play this. This was a clip from a game the other day. Wes McCauley was officiating a Boston-Montreal game. And there had been some bad blood. There's always bad blood between Boston and Montreal. But this one in particular, because there had been a big hit on Andrew Shaw of the Canadians last time they played. So you knew that Andrew Shaw was going to get concussed and you knew he was going to come back and there was going to be a score to settle. So minutes into the game, Andrew Shaw, and I can't remember who the guy was who hit him, uh, dropped the gloves and they go at it to settle the score at center ice. So Wes McCauley is the official. And you know now in the NHL, referees have microphones, so when they go make the penalty calls, you know, 
15 for Boston, two minutes for tripping, whatever. Here is Wes McCauley's call of the penalties. Number 47 for Boston. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting. Okay. He's he's a little enthusiastic about the call. Um, Don, once upon a time, baseball had guys like Ron Luciano. Hockey had guys like Bill Friday, Hamilton guy. There were some characters who were officiating the games. And they had personality, and you knew when they were officiating. You knew who they were. They were, to some degree, part of the show. Is it a good thing that most of those guys have faded away, or are we missing something by not they, having some of those guys? They haven't faded away. What's happened It's been is, beaten out of them? No, the NHL have drove them... They put everything into a little box. They've taken the names off the back of the sweaters. They're back to numerical things now. And they've tried to take the personality out because they want it refereed in a manner that's more robotic and more traditional. Uh, the old days, if Andy Van Helderman came in to do game one of the finals, you knew what to expect. When Bobby Myers was doing game two, you knew how you had to play. Ron Wicks, I can go down the guys that I followed when I was a referee and love them because, he, you know, if Grapes was coaching and Scotty Bowman was on the other side of it, boys, here's what you can expect from these guys tonight. That's all gone. They've taken it all away. The biggest personality that I ever worked with, I, I worked with a few characters, was Bill Dvorsky from Guelph and, and Greg, his son, and Paul, his uh, uh, son referee. Greg's still a linesman in National Hockey League. He... I would do a game in Dundas with him, and a fan would yell at him, and he would literally stop and argue with the fan as the play went up the ice. He was part of the gamesmanship. He was part of the show and had so much respect by all the players and everything else, and it was part of the game. It was There'd be, there'd be a heckler in a building that, that, that Bill would know, and they would get into it, and it was part of the game, and it was part of what Macaulay did and probably his dad did. But, you know, it was always you knew what to expect and you knew what they'd let go and you knew what you could get away with. You couldn't embarrass any of them, but you could pretty well drop an F-bomb if you felt like it as long as it was man-to-man. And they've just turned it into a – they've taken all that away, and I think it's too bad. I think. But what's so funny about this is that I have seen not one negative comment to the way Macaulay did this. Everybody loved it. It was great. It was, it was, it was lively. It was, it was personality. It was – you know, he knew – he understood – that these two guys had a score to settle, and he understood the crowd knew this, and so he made it almost sound like it was two minutes for fighting. You know, like it was it was a big deal. I don't think anybody had an issue with this. I'd love to know if the NHL though pulled him aside and said, "Hey, I Wes, was going to say, let's bring it down a bit." You're not going to hear what no. he had to put up with. No, you know what would be absolutely wonderful if you if you had a bit of a skirmish that was really a weak fight, and the referee puts them both in the box and stands there and he says, "That was awful. I can't even give him fighting major. We're going to give him two each for roughing." <laughs> Right, he, boys. Next time you want to do it, do it right. For now, you got two minutes. Yeah, each. he would not be doing another game. No, but isn't that the personality you want? It would be like you know, two, I give just give Scott Radley two minutes for tripping. I know it's a cheap call because he stepped on his stick, but he took a scoring chance away, and that's what it is. Radley getting the box. I mean, that's the way it used to be. You could get away with that. There is zero chance that a referee would last one extra game if he did that. He would be called on the car. If you said two minutes, I know he stepped on the stick, I know it's a soft call, but it was a scoring chance, and therefore I have to give him the penalty. There is no way, as as much as that would be brilliant, that would be brilliant, there's no way they're going to do that. Because refs, as you say, are supposed to now be invisible. 
I'm I'm frankly surprised that they even gave them the microphones. I, I am. I, I I'm surprised they gave refs the microphones to make that announcement rather than having the PA announcer do it because they want the refs to be non-existent for all intents and purposes. And and a good ref is non-existent. But you know they do it in the NFL. So it's, yep. it, so it, I mean the, the NHL didn't break any ice in nope. doing that. The last year I was in the, in, in the OHA in the playoffs, I got suspended twice, both times for swearing. Yeah, I was refereeing, and the one it was Junior B game of Stony Creek, and uh, Jerry comes to me after he's done. We're good. Like the the kid needed to be straightened out and everything else. Got a call the next day at noon saying you're you're gonna we've had to suspend you. We've told um, Stony Creek you're suspended. And I'm going. Well, the coach told me he was fine with it. So I said to Brent Ladd's the president, I said, the coach was fine. He said it, it was the player's parents that called. <laughs> I said, are you kidding me? He said, no. I said, what game am I suspended? He said, you're not refereeing tonight. I told him you're suspended for a game. I said, okay, I hung up the phone. I got thinking, I don't have a game tonight. But that's, he had to do something. So yeah. so that's back when, no, I mean, I probably, I have, I have potty mouth anyway, but that was kind of traditional back then. Now it's all robotic. I mean, the, the referees aren't allowed to treat at our level men well, like men. In the NHL, they can a bit, but the personality's gone. The Bill Dvorsky's of the day are gone. You can't even tell, though, for the most part, who the referees are apart now. No, And, that's, and, I, and I know a few of them. That's the way they want it. I know, and I know a few of them because of the time when they came through the AHL when the Bulldogs were here and I would cover games, and there were some guys that, that I... Dean Morton came through here a lot, and there were some other guys that came Former through. Former Brantford Smoke Champion. Yeah. Uh, so those guys, I mean, I can recognize them, but if I'm not really looking, no. th- they are interchangeable parts. They're robotic. They are interchangeable parts. And, and I don't want necessarily the day when the ref believes that he is the game, but there's something to be said for some it, kind of personality. If it's a bad game, there's nothing wrong with it. Well, you know, I'm, there's some bad games you know what there. I'm, you know what I'm really surprised about, honestly, honestly? In baseball, which again starts tomorrow, I'm surprised that they have allowed umpires to continue to have unique strike calls, as opposed to saying yeah. no, you will all do it this way. I'm supp- that's one thing that they have allowed for individuality that you can still call strike how you want to call it. But that's back to me talking about Bobby Myers, Andy Van Heldem, and those guys that were doing all the finals yeah. for so many years. This is what these guys are going to give you. Here's what they'll let you do. Here's what they won't call. So you know exactly what you're getting into. And what's wrong with that? Other than now, there's so many referees. Back then, it was probably a handful. Yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with it. Umpires, though, now, they all are supposed to have exactly the same strike zone. And that's, I I don't have a problem with that. But I'm just, I'm very surprised that they still are allowed to call things differently. The way you call a strike, your hand motion, it's different for guys. I'm I'm waiting that a few years down the road that they're all going to be told, you got to do this this way. Buy the textbook, and that's going to be it. The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900. AM 900 CHML.